Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. I'm going to follow on from where Russell was reading, because uh, we just want to look at these 10 verses in uh, um, Genesis chapter 32, uh, where Jacob comes face to face with God. So Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to the end, 32. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Heavenly Father, let's uh, help us, let's, let's, as we come to this word, help us to understand what you're saying to us this day. Help us to see... Uh, you more clearly understand you and uh, put into practice what you've called us to do, to be your disciples and to love you with all our heart, mind and strength and love our neighbour as ourselves. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you imagine uh, coming face to face with God? I'm just asking you that question because uh, it seems like this is really a big encounter uh, for Jacob. In fact, uh, the children are looking at uh, um, Exodus chapter 32, the, the, the golden calf, that whole incident. And um, not long after, in chapter 33, uh, Moses uh, pleads with God and, and says, oh God, if I could only see your glory. And God says, well, that's a good, uh, good asking that, but you know, no man can see me and live. Uh, and that's sort of like an important understanding. We, we think about Almighty God, the everlasting, the all-powerful, all-knowing God who made everything. How can, we, how can we stand before him? That's, in fact, a, a good question in Malachi. Malachi um, talks about uh, when God comes finally again, 
He will be like a refiner's fire. Now, if you know what, when people purify um, metals, they have a, a big furnace and they heat it up to a very hot temperature in order to burn off the dross and to make the metal pure. And so when we confront God, are we pure? Well, we, we can answer that ourselves. Uh, or do we just get burnt up? And that's what God is saying to Moses. No one can approach God. In fact, you go back and talk, look at that mountain in Exodus and there God came down on the mountain with a cloud around it and the mountain shaked and trembled and, and people were so afraid. And, and God told Moses, don't let anyone touch this mountain because it is holy. If anyone touched it, they would die. And so it's sort of a recognition of the awesomeness and, and the purity and the holiness of God that we see in the scriptures. And yet at the same time, we see uh, from time to time, people do get a glimpse of God, get to understand what God's like. If we go and think about Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting in the temple high, uh, and high up. Or in Revelation, you know, there is the picture of God, the Almighty. And so... Uh, here we have in this account one of those occasions where uh, Jacob, in fact, uh, comes face to face with God. It's, it's, there's much to learn here, there's much to teach, because after this event, he becomes a changed man, a blessed man. And uh, he turned from more of a self-centred person to really more of a God-focused person. The light went on, as we might say, or he was born again, as some people might say, or the penny dropped. I was uh, putting some money in the parking meter uh, the other week and I put the coins in, pushed the button, but nothing happened. The coins weren't dropping. What was going on? <laughs> and uh, I started to read, oh yeah, the fine print, you've got to put in $2.50, otherwise it won't drop, it won't, you won't get your ticket. And um, so, in a, in a sense, we need to understand what God uh, calls us to, to understand about himself and how we're to live in the light of what he's uh, teaching us. And this teaching, this passage, these ten verses, uh, teach us about how we can face down our fears, how we can deal with our fears, how we can be strengthened in our struggles, and how we can find peace and blessing in our lives. Uh, more than that, it's teaching us about God's unfolding plan. Now, I know it would be great uh, if Todd had been preaching uh, on uh, Genesis instead of Daniel, but anyway, I'm going to fill in the, the gaps and uh, we'll get there, hopefully. Uh, and this is the question we might ask. Can you find blessing and hope despite all your troubles and trials that you're going through right now? Can you find blessing? Uh, and how do we apply the gospel to our lives? I'm going to give you three headings, uh, and this is how the passage sort of breaks down and help us. Uh, firstly, there's a great fear, and we all have uh, internal tensions. We all have our fears. Uh, there's a great struggle, and we see that with Jacob. He has a great struggle, but so do we. We have a great struggle. Life is a great struggle. And then there is a great blessing. Uh, and can you gain joy and peace in your life? So these, um, th this is uh, wh what we're looking at. Firstly, a great fear. Uh, the same night he arose, he took his two wives, 
his female servants, his 11 children, crossed the ford of the Jabbok and he took them and sent them across the stream and then he, uh, and everything else he had, it says, and then he was left alone. Here is Jacob. Uh, now, in, in that couple of verses, we don't read anywhere there about his fear, but from the verses that uh, Russ read, we do understand that he had a great fear. Uh, fear is something, verse 7 mentions, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Why? Because he had heard the report that his brother Esau was coming, but not just him alone. He had 400 men. Now, we don't know whether the men were armed or they were just his, in his bodyguard or whether they were um, just uh, a company or whatever, but uh, he feared not only for his life, but also for his family, for the mothers and the children, it tells us in chapter 32, verse 11. Now, Australians, we all have fears, don't we? Um, The seven top fears for Australians are the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of vulnerability, the fear of weakness and change and loneliness and... uh, it mentioned the fear of time. Well, that's really about the fear of death. You know, time's running out. Um, they're the seven top fears. And this is uh, what Jacob was facing. 20 years back, his brother had said, I'm going to kill you, my brother. Um, and so Jacob fled. And so it, it was certainly a fear that had been playing on his mind inside for those 20 years. And it's a great fear. For ultimately, it's about destroying life. Um, great is a, a good describing word. Uh, we think of the Great War. What was that war? It's World War One. It was a war to end all wars. Remember that? They said that uh, after the war. But 20 years later, we had another war, world war. It's not just a war in some country or some place, but it was a world war. It was a great war. Uh, World War I, about 20 million people died, roughly, they say. World War II, three times, maybe 60 million people. And we were fearing the pandemic a few years ago, weren't we? Only 7 million people died, not really much at all. Um, Yeah, COVID. They're just stats, aren't they? But the reality is it's home when it's you that is about to die. And... You know, we can know of it, we can know all the stats, but it's another matter to deal with it and to see the causes. And so what we see here is Jacob had this fear. Why? What was the cause of his fear? Because he wasn't listening to God? Uh, Because of his sin? Because of his father's sin? Yes, Isaac. Isaac, his father. Now, this is really important to understand because unless you know what the cause of the fear is, you can't deal with it. It's like saying to an alcoholic, you know, aren't you an alcoholic now? No, 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 I'm not an alcoholic. Um, No, you really need to understand what the situation is and know how to deal with it. Now, we have a chap at work who tells some great stories and, and these stories often go on and he puts in a lot of detail and... And uh, he's my friend, but uh, sometimes these stories have so much detail that 
um, we just sort of drift off a bit and, oh, yeah, okay. And, and he has the uh, intuition, the, the cleverness to sort of suss out, well, maybe they're not listening. So every so often he says, listening? <laughs> and, um, yeah, oh, yes, we're listening. Um, and so that's what God wants us to understand here. Are we listening? You know, and in Australia, we... We can get very blasé. We can get very comfortable because, you know, they say Australia is a lucky country. Yeah, we are so blessed with many resources. We're relatively rich compared to many other countries. But you look around and you see many people in poverty, many people with mental health issues, many people with fear, many people are very lonely. And um, I ran across a, a chap the other day in Tutura who said... Um, you know, my wife passed away. Now I have to cook my own meals, you know. And he, he, he's just sort of a bit lost. Um, but what is the cause of this? Well, Jacob's brother threatened to kill him. Over what? Over a blessing. Now, this is where I've got to give a bit of a background. Uh, Isaac was given a promise uh, by his father, Abraham. Abraham was given a promise by God. God said to Abraham, I have a mission. I want you to save the world through your family. The world is hurting. The world's a big mess. And I am going to uh, send a Messiah through one of your descendants. Every generation, all of your descendants, out of them I'm going to choose a child, each generation. And if you like, that will be the Messianic child, the child who will eventually uh, lead to the Messiah. And, but Abraham, you must pass your faith onto that child. I will come near, I'll bless that child, I'll nurture that child, I'll protect them through and I'll bless them until another child comes, until another child comes and eventually the Messiah will come. And God said that to Isaac too. The same thing will be for you. God will choose one of your children to be the leader, to be the messianic child, as it were, the one who he will bless. And boy, Isaac says, wow, what a privilege, what a, what a mission I've got. Uh, save the world through my family. And so he finds his wife, Rebecca, and they get married and she gets pregnant. And a prophecy comes to Rebecca, which really comes to the whole family. The older will serve the younger. In other words, the younger one is the one I'm going to choose. Now, Isaac's in at this point is not listening to God. He didn't like God's choice. So, you know, Esau was a bit of a man's man, a bit impulsive, a bit impetuous, a bit violent, a bit shallow. Um, and Isaac saw that, well, you know, he's a bit like me. And I like, Isaac. I like Esau. Uh, he loved Esau. And so he hid behind something in that culture, which uh, is the law of primogeniture. That is, the oldest child inherits all the wealth. The oldest child becomes the leader. The oldest child then runs uh, things, and the other children, uh, they get pieces. They get the endowments. They get uh, allowances. But the oldest child is the one who is the head. And so uh, everybody... In that culture, expected Esau to be the leader, expected Esau to get the estate, the inheritance. But that's not what God said. 
God said, no, the younger uh, will be the leader. The older will serve the younger. This is, um, and, and you know, this is sort of part of God's unfolding story of salvation in the Bible. The Bible's not like Aesop's fables where there's a little moral every time. No, here is God's unfolding story of what he's, going, he's doing in, in saving the world. And so Isaac hid behind the culture, resisted God's will, wanting control of his life. That, that's, that's the sin there. But then, um, you know, Jacob's sin was, was to also uh, resist and do things in his strength. He grew up knowing his father liked his brother more. You know, talk about a, a dysfunctional family, you know. Um, here's the father playing favourites and, and, and the mother too a bit. And here's the sons at war with each other. Um, and Jacob's sin is to resist and to do things in his strength. Um, and so the day came, uh, as it does for, uh, for elderly people, and Isaac was getting very old. In fact, he'd lost his sight. And, uh, you know, like a doctor could say, well, I think you better get your house in order. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to die tomorrow or the next week. I think it's time to actually talk about what, what, what happens now. And so here uh, uh, Isaac organises that I'm going to give this blessing. Uh, Jacob gets wind of it and um, so Jacob dresses up like Esau and uh, gets his mother to make a meal, a nice tasty meal that Esau would have and puts on some hairy garments to feel like Esau because he was a very hairy man and uh, goes into his father. His father has a bit of um, uh, um, mental uh, cognitive dissonance. Uh, yeah, the voice isn't quite right. But, you know, um, uh, the smell's right from the food. The clothes seem to be right. Here's the blessing. And he gives him the promise. He gives him the leadership. And as soon as Jacob... Runs out, Esau runs in and says, here I am. And, uh, but Isaac has given his blessing. We understand that, that, that that's like going to the solicitors and getting a legal contract drawn up and you, th- there it is. You can't undo it. And so Jacob's sin is to be caught up taking sides, manipulating things. The big problem in my life is Esau. Uh, he stands between my father and my destiny. He stands there and why in the world did God give me a father like this? You know, goodness me, these people are opposing God. I'm just going to take things into my hands. Instead of trusting God, instead of trusting in God's grace that he would work things out despite our sinfulness or other people's sinfulness. And so uh, Jacob rationalises, I could serve him, I could uh, tell the truth, but to be honest, um, I shouldn't have to do that. I'll I'll just manipulate things, I'll just dress up like Esau and I'll obtain the blessing. And then, of course, it all blows up. Esau gets wind of, well, I've been robbed of my blessing um, and I'm really the oldest, I came out first. Um, What's going on? I'll kill Jacob. 
and Rebecca gets to know about it and says, you better get out of here, go to your Uncle Laban and work for him and stay until things settle down and then you'll be able to come back. And um, so, like I said, the family's a bit messed up. The Bible never shades the truth, does it? Uh, Jacob, his name means schemer, means deceiver, means heel grabber because he was grabbing hold of Esau's heel when he, uh, you know, for, for one bit there. And yet he's the chosen one. Esau's name uh, just means red of the earth, hairy, struggles against his brother. 20 years go by and um, uh, Jacob was told, look, it's time to go back, time to go back to the land where, and your homeland. And though in those 20 years, despite all uh, the struggles, Jacob became a very wealthy man. Laban had uh, deceived him, <laughs> got a bit on Jacob and changed the pay rate about 10 times. Um, but God was blessing Jacob and uh, God prospered and gives him a family, gives him wealth and um, uh, eventually Jacob and Laban reach an agreement that Jacob can leave. And so we read of that message that comes uh, to his brother, I'm returning, and, and then the report comes back. Um, Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. And so what Jacob does, divides up into two camps, prays, which says he's got some grasp that God is there somewhere, and he sends some extravagant gifts. He sends five waves, you know, the camels and the donkeys and the sheep and and all of that, uh, with a message that these are your gifts from your servant Jacob. And finally... He takes his family and his servants and puts them across the dangerous little jabbok uh, forward there at night and there perhaps to face Esau alone. If Esau had come, uh, he's ready to take him on, but he's very fearful. How does Jacob now show us our ways and our thoughts? Uh, You know, what do we do when we face a challenging situation? Whatever mountain top it is, whatever internal fear you have, anxiety, challenge, what does this passage teach us? You know, we want to be stronger uh, or, or we want to have some situation in control or do we turn it to God and seek his direction? You know, it's easy to... If we've got some brains, trust in our cleverness or strength, trust in that. Or influence, trust in that influence. But uh, we might not bring God into it at all. And uh, this is what I think it's saying. Tell him your fears. Jesus said to his disciples, they were afraid, trust me, believe in me. And Jesus spoke, uh, he said, don't fear those who can kill the body because they can't do anything to your soul, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul, you see. So this is uh, something that we need to take, but it's not just the internal struggle, his fears. There's an external struggle. And so we come to this great struggle, verse 24, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, two things stand out in this great struggle. 
This was no ordinary man, was it? Uh, and it was a great struggle. It went all night. Uh, I, I just get tired um, chasing a few kids around for, for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but this went all night. And so um, Jacob was certainly a strong man, but so is this other mystery man. And who is this mystery man? Well, we're not really told directly here, but we know it's God or one of God's messengers, an angel. Because Jacob said himself, I've seen God face to face. Because in the prophet Hosea, it talks about this incident and it says that he struggled with an angel and prevailed. He is no ordinary man. Perhaps it's Jesus, the the pre-incarnate. And also we get the hint that, you know, this isn't like a, a big wrestle where, you know, uh, one is super powerful and can just toss you around and, and grab your leg and wrench your hip out of, out of the socket like a rag doll. Um, no, no, he just touched his hip in the struggle and dislocated it, just like that. No ordinary man. And it, and, and it ended the struggle. He was powerful and, and he only did that at the end because he wanted to leave. Well, uh, what's the significance of that? Jacob uh, had learnt from Isaac about God, had learnt from Abraham about God, but still didn't call on God all the time, still didn't trust him. He wanted to trust in his own strength. And sometimes we're like that, aren't we? we we're a bit slow to understand slow of heart and understanding, as uh, Jesus said to those two on the Emmaus Road, you know, haven't you understood all these events? Uh, let me explain it to you. Go back to Genesis. Uh, go back to this account, you know, um, and they're all pointing to, to the Messiah coming, you see. Um, or Paul thought he was super religious until he, on the Damascus Road, uh, Jesus called out to him and said, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? You see, he was very astute about what the Bible said and he would have known this passage and many other passages in the Old Testament, but he didn't know Jesus. And like us, we can be sometimes slow to understand what God's doing and, and uh, we, you know, all of life, in a sense, for all of us, can be a great struggle. Some of us have uh, conditions or or uh, medical conditions or uh, relationships which are a struggle, which are a struggle. And uh, yet God has his plans and purposes and we can resist his will and distrust his care. We can think about uh, how we can solve these problems and we struggle through life until we realise, like Jacob, I think, realised, that God's never far away from us. He's working things out and, and on this night or as this day dawned, he come to this realisation. He come to this penny dropping moment. He come to this event that God is a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he doesn't deal with us as he should deal with us. Because what does Jacob say? I've seen the face of God and I'm still alive. 
Jacob slow to see the truth that God is not far from any one of us. And it sort of begs these questions. Uh, if, if we're not understanding who God is, we start to ask these big sort of questions of life. Who am I and where am I going and what is life all about? And Jacob could look back and say on this, about this event that that was a moment, that was a point in life where I started to see that God is not far away from me and he's for me, he's, he's wanting to help me and wanting me to know him better and better. Our, our like I say, our circumstances, events could be very distressing, could be very hard for us. And I know there's some people out there, they may not be here, they may be listening. It's very hard. But God is with us. You know, I've been reminded just recently, looking after some of our young grandchildren, how they test parents. They poo their nappies and they tell you how they want things to satisfy themselves, how they won't eat this, and but they'll eat that. Um, and it's just another lesson to learn that we need to be patient. Like God is patient with us. God gives us life and we can live Despite the struggles, despite the hardships, we can live a life that is pleasing to God. And the more we see this, the more we see that God doesn't cause us the suffering, but with the suffering goes with us and helps us. You have to think about the shepherd's psalm. You know, Psalm 23, the Lord is... My shepherd, I shall not want. We're the sheep. And what does the sheep do? Well, when he goes through the valley where there could be enemies, there could be wolves or bears or thieves or someone that will destroy our life, who goes with us? The shepherd. We're not taken out of the valley, but we go through the valley. And he comforts, he protects, he brings us through. You know, in this great struggle, we realise God, nothing escapes God. Nothing can be done outside of God knowing. Life in this world may be very trying and testing, but at the same time, God is there. But, you know, many people today, irreligious people, we might say, they worship themselves. They worship themselves. They idolise themselves. They don't believe in God or accept God as real. Maybe some people are here like that today. Um, and the talk is make the most of your life and what you have. The, the, the philosophy is when life ends, it just ends. Live for the moment, therefore. And we might see Esau as someone like that who sold his birthright for a tasty meal. It's sort of self-determined idolatry, and it just leads to frustration. It just leads to not finding peace and lasting happiness. And even there's people who are very religious. And I think Jacob was a very, in a sense, religious person. Um, you know, I have the resources and the money to fix this. I can deal with this. I can go here and get some relief from this. I know how to deal with it. 
leave God out of it, though. And, and if there is a pain, they're religious enough to say, well, God's not helping me at this point. Yeah, what do I have to do to, to get God to help me? I'll go to church a bit more. I'll do this and I'll do that. I'll read my Bible. There is, a, in effect, like Jacob having this great fear and this great struggle that I can keep my life on track if I do these things. And if I do these things, then God should look after me. It's a sort of a transactional faith, you know, a faith not based on grace, but based on my good works. But when God touched his hip, Jacob knew that he'd lost, in fact. He couldn't do anything, but all he could do was hang on, hang on to this guy. And the guy's wanting to say, oh, I want to go, let me go. And Jacob's saying, no, I won't let you go. I want you to bless me. And then he says, what's your name? Jacob. Well, he says, now you're going to be Israel. And, um, and this is really showing us the gospel principle, the principle of grace. Is when you, if, uh, you've got to lose in order to win. Uh, the gospel principle is really about grace. The saving event we call the gospel, when Jesus came into this world, uh, lived a life we can't really live, a perfect life before God, and died the death that we should die so that we are made right with God and can live for God. And um, the gospel principle is about grace. God deals with us not according to the way we would think he should, but by his unmerited favour through the Messiah. And we can't get right with God in our ways, by our efforts. God, who is rich in mercy, did not deal with us according to our sins, but saved us by his way, not our way, by his grace, not our good works. And we just sang, but as I ran this hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. And now all I know is grace. And that word know is quite important. It's know God personally. And for some of us, it can be a hard lesson to learn. I remember... um, I remember the minister, we were, Julie and I were going to church in Sydney, in inner Sydney in Burwood, and the minister there did some Christianity explain with some elderly people. This church was a very established blue stone church. And these elderly people, and one, this, one lady was 80 years old or older, and uh, she, um, she cried after the Christianity explored was finished and confessed that, she, in all her life, had not heard the gospel. 80 years old. And she'd be going to church all her life and she'd not heard the gospel. But she was joyful too. She was sad, but she was joyful. And that she had not heard the gospel of grace until then. And it's so easy to be focused on things or not having things. 
And it's hard to see sometimes that we must relate to God in person, first of all. Our great struggle is to see him and know that he's with us and goes with us because this world teaches us to turn away from him. And so we have this great fear and this great struggle and then this great blessing. This strange, mysterious man is called to bless Jacob and he is blessed. Jacob said, tell me your name, I pray. What is that you ask my name? And he blessed him there and he called that name of that place Peniel because I've seen God face to face. Verse 32 is just a little comment there that, uh, uh, that this, this teaching is carried on this day. People understand that his hip was touched and so they don't eat the, the muscle of the shank or whatever. But uh, two things here. He asked about the man's name. Um, well, first of all, the man, the mysterious man asked Jacob's name. And, uh, and then secondly, there's a great blessing and him limping off into the sunshine. Um, I suppose uh, he, he would have known his name. He would have known his Jacob, uh, this mysterious man. But here again, he wants to teach us something, that his name, uh, Jacob, which means cheat or heel grabber or deceiver, Jacob rule sort of thing, is changed to Israel, Israel which means God strives, God rules, and he who rules with God. Significant, we understand that. And when you realise to know a person by name is to know them sort of face to face. Uh, and that's difficult for, for those of us who are flawed people as we see ourselves. Uh, we too want to see God face to face, but how can we do that? Uh, we see for Jacob, he held on. That's what we need to do. We need to hold on. And the Jacob then asked, well, what's your name? And, um, of course, we're not told. He doesn't say. Maybe he was just smiling. We don't see that in the account. But um, uh, we know from the New Testament there's no other name given to men under heaven by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus we know his name. Jacob didn't quite know his name at that point, but the fact that Jacob asked his name may, it shows us that he realised that he wanted a personal connection. He wanted a, a relationship with God now. From his fearful thinking and his striving, he's now reflecting that, wow, God's with me. What's your name? I want to know you better and more. Because... I can see that you can win by touching my hip, but I'm not going to let you go until I'm blessed. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit like um, trying to understand that we have a default setting. You know, I'm using computer language now for you computer nerds. You know, we have a default setting. And sometimes um, when you switch on the computer, the, the settings are all there. But what God wants to do is renew us and change us. And so it's a God setting. <laughs> it's a new setting. It's a different setting. It's a completely different setting. But occasionally there's some button in our head that wants to go back to the default. So this is what we can say. We're more sinful and flawed than we ever dare believe. 
but we're more loved and accepted than we ever dare hoped. That is the gospel principle. And the Bible often portrays that the world is passing away and that death comes to everyone. We're part of this world. But God is distinct from this world and God is able to renew life. And how is he able to do that? Through Jesus. Through accepting what he's done on the cross. That's the great exchange. A great fear and great struggle and great blessing. There's a great exchange. That's good, isn't it? (laughs) God so loved the world. We know that verse so well. Um, But why? That we could be saved through his only son, if you believe, and if you have life in his name. And he gives us the light, as, as Paul writes in Corinthians, he gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, shining in our hearts. That blessedness, it's, it's not just being happy, it's a, it's a deep fulfilment. It's a deep sort of knowing that we can't, it can't be taken away, what we have with God. Our work, our possessions, they're all important things. Our children, there are many joys in this life. And they're all good, they're really good. But the ultimate good, the thing that really counts, is having Christ and knowing Christ and enjoying his presence. And so what we need to continue to do is pray. Uh, You know, Gabby's saying, oh, well, it's good to sing every day. It's good to pray every day. It's good to pray every day, even if you don't think you're good at praying. And even if you don't think you know how to pray, still take time to pray. And you see Jacob here hanging on. Sometimes we don't know what to say to God, but we just need to give our struggles to him and ask him to guide us through his word, through our friends, uh, the wisdom that comes, and listen to him speak to you through his word. And Jacob, you know, had all the things that any man could want, land, houses, possessions. He could have his own little kingdom. But the one thing he lacked... The one thing, the greatest of all blessings, was to know God's presence and God was with him. For Jacob, Jesus prevailed, the ultimate saviour, God's amazing grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that despite all the fears and struggles, we too can come through as Jacob did, that we can see uh, you, our God, face to face, We see now dimly, we see it through the scriptures, we see you working in ourselves and in people around us and we long for the day when we will truly see you face to face, when there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But for now, Lord, we're thankful that we can see, that we can see Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, Lord, help us to run the race, not... not, uh, not aimlessly, but uh, run the race and run it well uh, to to bring glory to your name. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well. 